0: Inflexibility is often at the core of any uh, emotional distress. Introducing variation helps to th- see things from different perspectives or to feel things differently than you felt before, or perhaps to behave differently than you de- than you did before. Showing variation is is the initially in, uh, is the first step toward recovery. If you always do. What you've done and always get what you you always will get what you got. And if you don't like what you got, you should stop doing what you did. Okay, life can be crazy. You're feeling like you're sinking.
1: Just trying to find a meaning. It's time for better thinking. Yeah, better thinking. Time to tune
0: in. Let's go.
1: Welcome to this episode of Better Thinking. Today's topic is process-based therapy. My guest today is Professor Stefan Hofmann from Boston University, and his research focuses on the mechanism of treatment change. What does that mean? Well, it's really about looking at therapy in a very dynamic and different way, abandoning traditional modes and methods of viewing, whether it be psychopathology or even what a psychologist does themselves whether a cbt therapist or an act therapist or a schema therapist it abandons all of that and looks at what's the process behind that it is absolutely mind-blowing one of my favorite interviews by far i think it's absolutely and i keep using this word absolutely because i'm so excited transformational and i want to to, to at least give an opportunity for this idea to get out there. So please listen. And also, if you like the episode, share it. Go out and put a review on whether it be iTunes or any of, the, any of the other platforms. I'd appreciate it. Like it, thumbs up. However, any of this works, please share. I'd appreciate it very much. Welcome Stefan Hoffman to the show. I'm really pleased to have you here to talk about process-based you know, therapy in particular? You know, doing some research in the space of acts. You know, my, my my passions, and going out and interviewing Stephen Hayes and and, and many other greats in, in in the world of really psychology. You really, you know, have stood out and come up. and I appreciate that you've you've taken the time to come on the show. I, I know you've got more than 40,000, I think maybe 41,000 citations in the work that you've done to date, which I think is, is remarkable. So I really appreciate you coming onto the show.
0: Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. Yeah.
1: Tell me a little bit about process-based therapy. I I've specifically did not want to go out and, and read into this too much, um, so I can kind of come fresh from it. So I can be naive um, and ask all the silly questions uh, to find out more about, you know, what what this means. Happy me to.
0: So let me start with the problem that we have in psychology, uh, and that is we've been uh you know if you if you if you're doing whatever orientation you do you have a set mind of how to approach uh a problem and how to deal with a client and maybe you may be trained in psychodynamic intervention might be trained in cognitive behavioral approaches might be trained in act and other forms of approaches and um these um these these strategies tend to limit your view quite a bit, uh, uh, whether you want it or not. You you believe, as as an individual therapist, you think this is the way to go. This is the way, and you just need to find the right client who matches your belief system, right? Process-based therapy steps away from this idea, um, and uh, it um, steps also away from the idea of treating a disorder. Uh, we've been very confined by our way we approach psychiatry and clinical psychology and we're pretty much, uh, Americans have been defined through the DSM, the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual and Europeans uh, by the uh, um, by their European system, uh, ICD system that is now also in the revision. Uh, and that sort of assumes that, they are, that, that, you, that, that disorders exist in, in individuals as a latent disease of some sort. You can't directly measure, you can't directly assess, you ask questions, and then you get some answers about their symptoms, about how they're feeling. And then you, uh, as a clinician, you would then derive uh, the diagnosis, oh, this person has depression or panic disorder or borderline personality disorder. And then you use your approach that you uh, have been trained with. You might then use uh, dialectic behavior therapy for borderline personality disorder. You might use cognitive behavior therapy to treat the panic disorder and so forth. But you treat the thing that, people are carrying around, this latent disease that is defined by the DSM. Um, Steve and I have been arguing for many, many uh, years, uh, uh, close to about a decade, I would say. Uh, We've come come from very different traditions. I'm a cognitive behavioral therapist. He's a, as you know, a foremost ACT uh, 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 therapist. And uh, we've been battling uh, for many years uh, Sci- on, on a scientific level, we've been writing nasty critiques of one another until there was a, <laughs> there was a critical point in our lives. where well, we connected on a personal level, and um, uh, Steve has shared that experience before, so I'm, I'm sure he wouldn't mind either. But we, uh, it, it ended up that we both uh, were in an emergency room together because of uh, some event that he had, and we connected on a very deep personal level. It turned out everything was fine, but but, was, uh, 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 but we, um, we kind of put our differences aside from that point on. It was many years ago. And uh, we uh, connected personally. We initially then simply called each other up on the phone and, and chatted. And then eventually we kind of found common ground that we're both dissatisfied with the field as it is. We're both dissatisfied with this idea that we're treating latent diseases. Whether it is using ACT, whether we use DBT, we were dissatisfied with the DSM, with the ICD, with this idea that there's something that a, carry, that a person carries with them, that this is this this disease that you're treating. We're treating obviously, and any any uh, mindful clinician would say, well, that's not true. We we're, we're all treating the individual, obviously. This is at the primacy, but still, the latent disease is coloring everything. We have, we still believe that there's something hidden. And, and certainly the DSM believes that at some point you will be able to discover it. So you just need to look hard enough. At some point, certainly you, you, you ought to find the, the genetic marker, the biological marker that, that, is, that, is, that, is, that, that defines panic disorder or, or borderline personality disorder. The bottom line is that this is not going to happen. Even the most sophisticated psychiatrist, uh, the most hardcore bio, biological psychiatrist would say, we're probably not gonna find it. There's no, not a single gene, not a single molecule uh, uh, or a, a single uh, neurocircuitry that, 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 you are, that is linked to any particular disorder, all right? <clears throat> so what you're really doing in treatment is uh, any good clinician would step away from, the, from this latent disease idea very quickly. And they're trying to understand what is it that that creates the problem uh, for the individual? What are the historical factors? What are current factors that maintain the problem? And then certainly based on your individual uh, orientation, you will then choose particular strategies to to, uh, perturbate this complex system that, that is in your clinician's mind. Uh, intuitively every clinician does that intuitively it is, it, it, you step away from the, you're not treating a DSM diagnosis or ICD diagnosis and uh, you are treating the individual and these different problems that define, uh, in a way, the individual, but also the 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 healthy uh, part that 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 empowers the individual you're trying to access and to find trying to find resources that uh, that uh, the person can access in order to overcome whatever obstacle there were, there are. Maybe a trauma history. May there be a, a relationship issue issue. Maybe feelings of loneliness or self esteem problems, etc. Those things are not coded in the DSM. There's no such thing as a self-esteem disorder, uh, et cetera. So process-based therapy, number one, steps away from the latent disease idea. It also steps away from a nomothetic idea that we can somehow cluster people based on these arbitrary problems that are defined by a group of uh, experts that define a latent disease. Um, We need to move away from this group idea toward to the individual, that's what a clinician does. He tries to understand the person who sits in front of him or her. Um, So this is moving nomothetic to ideographic, an ideographic approach, but firmly rooted in in, uh, clinical science. Um, Intuitively, we do that. Process-based therapy provides a clear framework how to go about that, and also provides a good uh, concrete a training approach and also a concrete uh, uh, clinical approach how to tackle this issue. It's a very complicated thing. It, the, the, uh, human, humans are complicated. There are l- lots of things that, uh, that, uh, that, that maintain a problem, lots of factors that lead to a problem, lots of resources that one can access to overcome that. In other words, we're dealing with a complex system. Every single individual, is a complex network of issues, so we're dealing and we're using an ideographic approach, and we're applying something that has been recently discussed in literature called network science to the individual. So, net a network uh, approach <clears throat> to a problem considers um, many different smaller. As uh, sub problems, aspects of a problem, there uh, and we call them uh, in the network uh, um, language. We call those nodes, nodes of a network that uh, define that are defining features of a network. That might be a abuse history, might be an, a, a network. Um, feeling bad about or, or the thought is, "I'm not good enough," might be a network. That might be a cognitive network, or feeling, I'm, "I'm very lonely." That might be a network of. Uh, Social processes, and and, uh, or I'm not I I'm I'm not worthy uh, of of being a friend. That might be a network of cognition that are associated with that. Um, Ruminating over past events might also be a network a network node. Okay, all of these nodes form a network, a complex network. All of these nodes form a network. These are these nodes are uh, connected in a uh, complicated way. Uh, Some. Some of these uh, connections are stronger than others, such as the connection of the node I am uh, lonely is might be strongly connected with a node'm uh, I'm not, uh, uh, I'm not um, good enough to be a friend of to anybody um, those those nodes would be strongly connected most likely the um, the the node uh, of a, uh, a, a the experienced event of a of uh, uh, former abuse might, might connect with I'm worthless and so forth. So these, uh, if you plot it up, uh, it, you will see a, a, uh, set of, of, of notes of connections that form, uh, different uh, relationships and some of them are stronger than others in therapy. The, the art of therapy is to identify which, of those nodes, which of those aspects of the problem you should target as a clinician uh, in order to perturbate this network, to turn it from maladaptive to adaptive. Which other nodes would you need to activate that counter these other nodes? Maybe um, uh, any strength that the person has. Maybe the person is, is empathic and mindful and, uh, and sensitive. Those can be very powerful, positive influences that can perturbate the system. Processes we define as those kind of changes that occur in treatment aimed toward a common goal that, that the client and the therapist agree on and the client is obviously also in line with his or her values, where she or he wants to head. What is the what is the overarching goal of this uh, intervention? Processes allow uh, identify those kind of it can be uh, in the in the network terminology. A process can be a, can be a link between two nodes in a simple case, or it can be a set of nodes linked in a certain way uh a process can be maladaptive that is a maladaptive maladaptive processes maintain this this uh the network in a in a in in an unhealthy way uh and we perturbate the system sh- such that we change this process from maladaptive to adaptive um now this is um nothing really terribly new um uh behaviorists old behaviorists, have been doing something like that for for since the beginning uh, of psychology when we look at uh, functional analysis we try to understand what how behavior what are consequences of the behavior and what are uh, what, uh, to what extent the consequences trigger other issues what is new is number 1 that we think in network terminology in a much more complex way we are not focusing on any particular levels such as behaviors and consequences of these behaviors. We're also not focusing on only cognition such as what CBT therapists would do. We, are, we also don't want to focus only on any other orientation uh, uh, notes that would uh, inf- uh, are informed by the orientation. Psychoanalysts would focus primarily on self and maybe abuse uh, issues. Uh, cognitive uh, therapists would focus primarily on cognitions and behaviors. Act Therapists would focus primarily on on values, on on uh, <clears throat> on um, uh, diffusion issues and, and uh, other uh, related behavioral uh, and thought processes. <clears throat> so what we are building here, and that is important, is a meta theory, a a, a theory that a, that would that is an umbrella. A network that, 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 that is big enough, a tent that is big enough to accommodate any uh, empirically based approaches. And that certainly includes uh, CBT, certainly includes ACT, can also include psychodynamic uh, issues as long as there's good evidence uh, to support it. Uh, we're building a very broad tent. What is this broad tent? What informs this, these networks? That's the question. As an uh, as I said, CBT therapists would 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 uh, would heavily focus on cognitions and behaviors. Uh, ACT would heavily focus on other issues and so forth. So we need what what informs that? What is the system that would inform these nodes that we would consider in this network? That is uh, uh, the, uh, the 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 foundation of process-based therapy. We call it. Uh, and before I say the word, I want to explain what it is because it, it, the the reader or the, the hear the listener would be turned off if I said the word right away. Um, it is um, it has to do with um, um, problems in variation, selection, and a retention of of any of those dimensions uh, or levels that I just discussed applied in the wrong context. Let me explain that now um, Inflexibility is often at the core of any uh, emotional distress, and variation. Uh, indu- introducing variation helps to see things from different perspectives, or to feel things differently than you felt before, or perhaps to behave differently than you de- than you did before. Vari- in, uh, showing variation is is the initially in uh, is the first. Step toward recovery. If you always do what you've done and always get what you, you always will get what you got. And if you don't like what you got, you should stop doing what you did because you will always get what you, what you got before. Uh, that is on the behavioral level, but also a way of thinking and feeling and approaching people. Variation is key, is absolute key toward toward uh, reaching your goals uh, and toward recovery and health and and and, uh, and and uh and becoming a a human uh, the human being you want to be now you might show variation uh, but you do not select whatever seems to work that's a pro- that is another problem it's possible that you have that you every so often show show healthy variation but then you don't stick to what actually worked you slip back um you um you you actually did um uh, you know, uh, 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 uh stop, uh, stop smoking, uh, by, uh, by maybe, you know, whenever you felt the urge to smoke, you perhaps did something else. It actually seems to work, but you didn't stick to it. You fell back to the old behavioral pattern because the context, because, uh, whatever else, uh, kept you going. again. Now, the other problem is if you, uh, you may show variation, healthy variation, you may also show how healthy, healthy selection. But you may not retain it, you don't stick to it, such as to smoker who then doesn't who is not who doesn't keep going with with that approach you just fall back to old behaviors retention uh, is is the key to uh, that that would fall you back into uh, into old behavioral patterns, old ways of approaching uh subjects now, you may show healthy variation you may show healthy variation uh, selection. And you may, may even show even healthy retention, but you don't do this in the right context. And that's also maladaptive. You, you could show the perfectly well, um, uh, in, in, in any, it, it's always context dependent. Uh, it, it really mad, it matters what the context is, whether it's adaptive or not. Now, what are those core principles? Uh, 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 variation, selection, retention in the right context. These are the principles of evolutionary science. I'm just gonna repeat that because it sounds so odd. Evolutionary science is uh, based on these very issues, uh, on very healthy variation, healthy selection, healthy retention in the right context leads to adaptation. If any of those uh, issues uh, uh, seem to not work well, uh, if there is no healthy variation, no selection retention can happen. Uh, if there's no healthy selection, no retention can happen. If there's no retention, obviously you can't stick to what has worked. And if you d- don't apply it in the right context, it's also maladaptive. In other words, any form of psychotherapy, any form of psychotherapy, no matter what uh, strategy you're using, you will introduce variation, selection, retention in the right context. That is so broad that we can build a big tent that can. Uh, accommodate any uh, theoretical orientation, ranging from psychoanalysis to to CBT. Um, Now those are the core processes. They can be boiled down to these core processes that uh, we eventually change in this network. The network, uh, we perturbate the network by introducing healthy variation. We we also perturbate it by by introducing healthy selection and we maintain it. We maintain the healthy network by uh, 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 adaptive retention strategies applied to the right context. That sounds a bit um, complicated and complex, but I guarantee to you that it's not. Uh, The... Uh, we've done many of those workshops, and our clinicians, uh, the clinicians in these workshops, no matter where they are coming from, regardless of their orientation, very quickly catch on to it, understand it. Uh, evolutionary science is a um, uh, is kind of a misnomer because it is, in a way, a truism. It is not a theory. It's nothing that is that needs to be proven or disproven. It just is. It is just as, as true as the world is round. It is not flat. I'm sorry for some of your listeners who still <laughs> believe in the flat earth, but it doesn't exist. <laughs> um, so this, this, this is how evolution works. Adaptation is a result of healthy variation selection, retention in the right context. And therapy is a process working toward that. I'll give a, you a few minutes to digest and to ask me a clarification questions. No, no, no. It's it's a
1: very different way of looking at it, but it places an umbrella over all these other labels that we 've placed on, on on therapy, so I know they 're obviously starting in terms of you know the labels that we get from you know whether it be the ICD, the DSM, you know depression, anxiety, et cetera but then there 's labels within psychology you know i 'm an act therapist i 'm a cbt therapist i'm a psychoanalyst we 're still coming under this umbrella of this is. Yeah, this therapy is what works. You know, we, exactly. we we tend to kind of even battle with one another. Exactly. Um, and as you yeah, say, yeah, I, I
0: used to. I actually I've entitled a uh, recent article, uh, borrowing uh, John Lennon, uh, and I and I t- entitled it, "Imagine There Are No Therapy Brands." It isn't hard to do.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant. That's brilliant. But having this big tent or umbrella, uh, whatever we, we we choose to call it. Uh, Goes out and, and and really, if we boil all of those things down, whether we're talking about schema therapy, whether we're talking about ACT, whether it's DBT, CBT, you know, and and, and the plethora of other other um, uh, approaches, and yeah, you know, let's be accurate in this all of them have got an evidence base. So even though we're told at university, you know, do no harm, make sure we do evidence-based. Unfortunately, everything can have an evidence base these days. Um, doesn't seem to be too, too difficult to, 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 to demonstrate some of those things in, 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 in some context, but boiling it down, we're really saying to go out and adjust to these nodes, to adjust these um, relationships if you will that, that we have in our mind or we're having in how we feel or the way that we interpret the world we can go out and adjust those uh, or, or at least introduce adjustments through variation uh, in terms of variation of behavior variation of thoughts variation of perspective taking uh, then selection being I suppose wise decision making or, or being kind of uh, mindful about what decision's going to serve me um you know what what's in line with maybe the direction i want to go or the values um and then the retention which is in some sense the practice how do do i go back to it because it's it's damn hard to do so to to repeat it um and it's in that repetition that we wire the new network and nodes up is, is is how i'm understanding this have i somewhat captured it
0: you are very good. You very much uh, understood what I just said. Very good. Very good. Yes, yes. And then um, in the last part, applying it in the right context. It's obviously...
1: Context. Yes, uh, yes, exactly yes.
0: right. You're absolutely right. So in order to... Um, so these are the, uh, the primary um, strategies one needs to target. Uh, and there are different... Um, in terms of the treatment kernels, they are fairly limited. Uh, you know, we have most... Experienced clinicians have pretty much all of that in place already. So we most most good clinicians know how to do uh, diffusion or restructuring exercises, how to do exposures, how to do motivational enhancement, how to how to set up a contingency plan, how to how to shape people's behavior, how to uh, how to maybe uh, have some arousal reduction techniques, mindfulness strategies. Those are and I'm almost done with the list actually. There's a, there's a we, 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 uh, we surveyed the literature and we asked an expert panel to put them together. It's about 12 or so clear strategies every good clinician should know. And those are those treatment kernels that in some way uh, all do exactly that. They introduce healthy variation selection and retention. And all clinicians really need to know are those kernels, those treatment kernels. And then the trick is how to to, uh, now implement that into process-based therapy and to improve people's lives is is you need to know now what is the network that you are targeting? What what are those, which strategies do you need to use in order to perturbate the system in such a way that it turns from maladaptive to adaptive? So that... uh, You know, this has really broad implications if you think about it. We have this massive, massive amount of protocols for syndromes, uh, a ridiculous list of hundreds of protocols uh, for any uh, DSM or ICD-defined disorder, multiple of those protocols, impossible for any single human being to possibly know all of them. Besides, they're not going to be helpful for every single individual, every person for for this particular diagnosis anyway.
1: They don't take into consideration context, which is that. Exactly,
0: exactly. So we need to dramatically step away from that approach. In a way, we are abandoning the DSM. I'm not sure if I I made it clear. We're stepping away. There's no need to call somebody depressed or, or, um, or borderline or panic disordered. Uh, We need to understand the person's network uh, uh, that informs the intervention strategy directly. Uh, In fact, our we call it EEM in uh, Extended Evolutionary Meta Model uh, is actually sufficient to, if you will. Classify. I don't like the term classify, but to kind of making sense of the complexity of the human of the of this human of the, these problems that human presents that the person presents with. Um, so uh, the uh, EM is 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 essentially a very simplistic system that sh- that uh, that allows clinicians to examine whether the person has problems in variation selection and or retention in the wrong context of, say, behaviors. Cognitions, affect, attention, social processes, uh, and includes cultural issues and biological issues, physiological issues. That's it. That's, it. That's all. Uh, in a way that will guide you, this this, this re- relatively simple EEM system will guide you to construct the, indi- uh, the individual network for the for this person, uh, and then to decide which treatment kernels to use to perturbate the system, to disturb the system. Um, What is important is um, that we gather data in this process. This is not a, this is the way to do it and you're gonna continue with that for 12, uh, 18 sessions and then you're done and you might have improved or not. This is not how we wanna do it. We want to use this as a guide, Sort of as a navigational system that the therapist has, and we need to gather fairly uh, uh sort of on a on a f- fine scale uh high density data of these kind of networks that we believe are very important so uh, let me give you uh, maybe a concrete example Please. A, um, a a client uh comes to your office and says. I I ruminate an awful lot and I can't, I can't stop thinking because I got uh, my, uh, my girlfriend left me. Okay. So this breakup leads him to ruminate and he feels very down on himself. Um, And, uh, and, and, you know, any, for the protocol for syndrome approach, you would have come up with, Oh, this person has depression and you pull out a treatment manual, how to treat a person with depression after a recent breakup. (laughs) <laughs> and you say, oh, we need to do some rumination exercises. And so you're, you're hard on trying to change the ruminative activities, right? And then after 13, 14, 15 sessions, I said, the person says, yes, uh, I feel like a little better. Thank you very much. And then leaves, right? And um, neither you, the therapist, nor the, nor the patient is overly satisfied with the progress. Rumination is a little down, but still the person doesn't feel feel good about himself, and still lonely, and so forth. A uh, a process based approach would have been you looked at um, various dimensions, not just cognitions and rumination and 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 affect, but you know, looked at uh, maybe also self related processes, with, uh, uh, in addition to affect, cognition, behavior, and social uh, processes, and you would. Uh, As a process-based therapist, you would conclude, well, rumination is in fact part of the network, but it's not the most central node of this network. Uh, You might have discovered that the person is much more uh, focused on sort of self-worth, that somehow it triggered feeling really bad about himself because it sort of validates maybe deep seated beliefs about being worthless and this person leaving him might have triggered sort of this, this, uh, scheme of I'm, I'm not good enough. I'm worthless, leading to feelings of loneliness. And these were the much more important networks in, uh, uh, that, that maintained the problem. Uh, so maybe a psychodynamically oriented person would have more gotten to that point, uh, which a CBT person kind of ignored because they were, he or she was too focused on rumination, uh, uh, the rumination uh, issues, um, and maybe a, a process-based therapist now considers um, strategies that that uh, that directly target issues of self-esteem, self-worth, and loneliness, and maybe um, chooses. Meditative strategies uh, that focus maybe on self-compassion that, uh, that targets that very issue. And by doing so, you perturbate the system in a much more effective way, and actually not only more effective, but you do perturbate the system, which you didn't perturbate before by only focusing on rumination, which was certainly also an issue, but not the central issue for the client. Um, so now in order to do that though, the, ther- the the process-based therapist wants to know whether he's right with that approach. So you would ask the client on a fairly, fairly uh, thi- uh, uh, high-density data, to collect high-density data on maybe feelings of worth. Uh, it could be as simple as rate on a scale from 0 to 10, how worthless you feel. A, a 10 is, or minus 10 is, I feel horribly worthless. And uh, plus 10 is, I feel, I feel uh, like some of our political leaders that I uh, that I won't name, uh, so the, you 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 may you may uh, you may uh, uh, so simple rating scales can be helpful, but maybe even daily, maybe even more than uh, daily, to see if this is, is associated with feelings of loneliness during during a particular time span, um, to see if these two th- notes actually do co-occur, and what it does to his mood or her mood. Um, so this. Um, um, this will inform uh, to redraw this network on a fairly regular basis. Process-based therapists ideally use um, uh, not just self-report data, but ideally also use things like um, activity uh, 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 indicators. You know, the iPhone is, collects massive amounts of data without us really wanting it collected we know where people are located we know how much contact you have with other people um, we know how much uh, b- b- through you know you could simply collect how, how much uh, uh, social interaction you have on a, on a, on a regular scale um, uh, you could even you know you could even collect when, how, mu- how how long the person sleeps by examining uh, when the per- when the iPhone is used, so some of these things are already collected. It could be very easily integrated into a process-based approach, which we're working on. But obviously, as a working clinician, that is a bit beyond the capabilities. We are working, however, on, on fairly easy ways of gathering uh Relevant data, and uh, if this, if my hypothesis as a clinician is not correct—that self worth is not the issue—you need to redraw this network and reconsider other issues that might might be hidden. So you, the individual is at the forefront, um, and we step away from a from a from our preconceived notions that were imposed by us, both by the DSM and also by our orientation. I would want anybody, regardless of the orientation, check off certain uh, relevant dimensions that uh, that could inform this network. Maybe cognitions, affect, behaviors, self-related uh, processes, social and cultural processes. Uh, not asking those issues may simply, m- you may simply miss the most central networks And the client may not even be aware that these are the most central networks. It's not that the client says, I'm not going to tell you, but rather, well, I never thought of it. And you're right. So we need to put the individual, the goal of the treatment should be not to reduce some arbitrary symptoms that were defined by the DSM, but the goal of the treatment should be to move the person toward a different level of of experience uh, that is in line with the person's value and, 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 and determined goal.
1: I'm hearing uh, that by virtue of looking at problems from a diagnostic level or from a DSM level, ICD level, there is potentially a tendency or um, there is a tendency for us to Stay on the surface as clinicians to to not go further and deeper, you know. And obviously, as as, as clinicians experience uh, experience goes up, they might naturally start seeing those things, and hence where your research is, has has um, identified that. But there is a tendency to, uh, I suppose, move towards that which is shiny, um, or uh, we might get a little bit of movement on, but it doesn't necessarily go. Into that depth or um, uh, appreciation of where that pain lies. Yes, Uh, that's
0: absolutely right.
1: And if we can go deeper and use the use this kind of framework around variation, selection, uh, retention, and whether it be from a cognitive like uh, the for for us to to look at, you know, is this a cognition sort of challenge that we're in, or behavioural affect, or social cultural uh, to 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 try and examine. What's going to be most beneficial for the client? And then obviously, we need to do uh, feedback. Uh, to find yep. out uh, is, is 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 our hypothesis that we're working on with the client and it, and it's not that the clinicians necessarily even got this wrong it, it's sometimes it's hard for even a client to articulate this is the process of therapy where, where where it shifts it moves and it kind of says well I was quite upset back then and that's why I was talking about it so much but that's not really what bothers me something else bothers me and and it keeps evolving and and, and, and moving and it's a it's an evolving process our job is to try and and uh, not necessarily act on the presenting problem so to speak but go beyond that to, to to see what what underpins that you know what are these networks what are these nodes um because they they are the likely the ones that are going to permeate through one's life uh, rather than just this one little situation it's kind of like the inner context um not necessarily just the outer context.
0: You have a way of uh, 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 putting it in better words than I could have done. So very nice. Yeah,
1: that's exactly right. I'm just trying to make sure I'm I'm appreciating this because it's a very different position for, uh, I I suppose, clinicians and and, and clients to think from. You know, that that, I need to be moving away from this old… Exactly. Now,
0: now, uh, so we are basically then uh, informing you. so e, uh, EEM. Uh, we'd like to call it EEM, by the way, Extended Evolutionary Meta Model. Uh, so rather than E-E-M-M, EEM, that's um uh, Steve has a way of uh, of uh, making it uh, palatable to 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 a lot of people. <laughs> so uh, the um, uh, so EEM informs uh, the ideographic network, and um, and we need to gather high density data to uh, the, to examine whether our network approach uh, or our our conceptualization using network approach is accurate or not now there's another uh, good reason why we want to uh, collect high density data um, the uh, uh, so we are working with um, with dynamic complex networks and uh, in most cases uh, dynamic complex networks don't change gradually. They don't gradually shift. But often what we see uh, that some of these shifts, uh, some of these changes in the network happen then pretty dramatically. A network uh, tends to try to stay stable for as long as possible. And whether it's adaptive or maladaptive, but that's the nature of complex networks. Um, so this uh um this uh, this is often we often see then uh these changes happened dramatically that's called catastrophic bifurcation by the way and uh and, and in a way that we call it the network being resilient for to to outside perturbation so it, also therapy for maladaptive network the network tries to be stable and is resilient uh, it's kind of it's an odd term because it's maladaptive so typically resiliency is obviously good but if a adapt in a maladaptive network is also trying to be resilient, the problems are there for good reason. There are reasons why the problem persists and the problems the entire problem space otherwise the problem would be gone pretty quickly. Uh, but something maintains that problem uh, and uh, and these maintenance factors lead the network to be pretty resilient. Now once this uh, change occurs. We know that they're similar to a uh, valley that goes. Uh, so you imagine a ball in one valley, and it needs to go over a a um, out outside of this this valley uh, over a hill. And once the hilltop is reached, the network can either become go back to where it was before, or it can turn into a new network. Uh, and this is called these these two states uh, that uh, that our uh, psychiatry has been embracing this idea, and we and have uh, some some network scientists have applied that to, for example, uh, changes in in uh, in depression or psychosis. So one can actually see that if you gather high density data in individuals, you can observe a sudden shift in some of these. Uh, well, let's call them symptoms. Uh, in how these symptoms hang together, um, and um, what is now most fascinating for us, if we are able to turn it into, um, if we utilize iPhone and other devices to inform that, we could actually predict, theoretically predict, important events from happening. Uh, important events uh, before they happen, we can predict uh, when they happen. Uh, right before this tipping point is reached, uh, the network tends to undergo certain changes, and it goes a bit too much into detail for me to to go too deep, because it becomes pretty, pretty um, uh, mathematical. But there are it, uh, these nodes change in a way; they become tighter, more closely connected. Uh, the network tries to sort of. Um, uh, uh, the, the resiliency of the network uh, is expressed in in changes in the network structure. Now imagine you can imma- imagine you can predict whether somebody is about to commit in the next day uh, a suicide attempt, uh, is uh, 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 or, or or a psychotic break or bipolar manic episode. And there are actually a few studies that have been able to show just that. Right before a tipping point, you can actually. Uh, see changes that precede uh, this tipping point, and there's a an incredible important window of opportunity where clinicians can intervene. And theoretically, you know, you get you get flagged on your iPhone as a clinician, and you would call up your client and say, I, "I'm sorry, but how are you feeling?" And the client might say, "I'm feeling actually fine." Why are you calling? Well, I want to see you um, because there's. I think you you might not be fine. Uh, I think there's something going to happen to you pretty soon. And I, I, need, I want to prevent this horrible thing from happening.
1: Stefan, I, I do apologize. Can you go back uh, and try and describe what you mean by the nodes of, of, of the network? Is, is that like, for example, it could be ruminations or something. Is that what you mean by if we've got high density data about these nodes and how close these nodes are, or the weight between one node and another. Uh, if we've yes. got high density data, um, then we're able to go out and predict where where that ball is. Whether it's yes. in the valley mm-hmm. in yes. this current
0: network, or whether it's at the top of the hill or moving towards the hill. No, so you can predict whether the ball. Is about to go over the hill. Whether it's going to
1: tip over or not. Yes, yes, exactly. My apologies. Yes, that, okay. I can't predict
0: so much at what at what point in the valley it is. But I can predict when the ball is has reached a tipping point. Yes, because the, the, the network once it changes <coughs> uh, from uh, there's a catastrophic change, and these catastrophic that. Uh, and this this is not my terminology. It actually comes from catastrophe theory, uh, where these where, where the entire network structure changes pretty dramatically, and uh, right before these changes occur, uh, you are able you you may be able to predict the tipping point. Uh, I, I encourage uh, your listeners to the Steve and I we wrote a recent article in Clinical Psychology Review uh, called Beyond Linear Mediation. Uh, it is it was published just uh, it is not yet published actually it is it is in press uh should be should be out in within weeks and we in there we report um the case um of um um of an individual that was actually not done by us by 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 some other collaborators who um who showed just that uh, who were able to to demonstrate changes in this network structure um uh, as a result of uh, in uh, of uh, actually de- two depressive episodes were were predicted based on the changes in the network structure. This is the
1: idea of being able to identify, for example, tro- pro- prodromal. If I go back to you know using some categories, uh, but absolutely, pro- absolutely. prodromal sort of uh, periods well before an episode, um, and you know that would be absolutely priceless. That that the, this is in, in some sense you know technologies may be moving to the world of of you know high data um
0: capacity right and, but you and, know, and it's not it's it's not a big data f- where everybody is, is is thrown in the pot but this is big data for a single individual for an individual absolutely
1: exactly. it's density exactly. of, of of understanding me you know not not uh, large, you know, for, for others, it, it's actually about, this is about me, my data, um, that can, that right. can be utilized to, to assist me with obviously variation selection, you know, uh, retention yes. for, so yes. someone can assist me or I can assist myself to, to look at those. What am I doing?
0: Exactly right. Exactly
1: right. I so love I, the, I love the analogy of the, of, of those, you know, like the, the hill and the, and the valleys because it just it's makes so really. much sense this is
0: a well this is a well-known uh uh de- depiction of uh of changes in network uh, structure uh so this is uh I and, don't want to take credit for it, but yes, sure, it's a, sure, it's a good example, yes.
1: But 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 we, as clinicians, I think as human beings, we all know that this that this occurs. We we talk about it in, in language like, oh, the penny dropped. You know, I was having all these yeah. issues, and then you know, someone said something, and the penny dropped. But you know, exactly. after the, 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 the penny dropped, the back. Yeah, you know, and something has occurred, whether whether in you know so called positive or, or or negative direction. And with that came a whole lot of other things, which is where, you know, variation either became very, very, very low, for example, depression, um, or it may have expanded where someone felt, you know, um, enthused and, 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 um, or it could be even variation towards things that we don't want. Um, exactly right. promiscuous behavior and, 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 and the like,
0: Absolutely, um, Absolutely.
1: But, but we know that the network, it's not
0: healthy variation. It's very variation, no. healthy variation. Yeah.
1: Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, but the network's stable, you know, it's fighting to stay alive as it is, you know, it doesn't yeah. like to be permeated.
0: Yeah. And I should also note that the, uh, the, um, network science is, is, um, uh, is is very broad. Uh, psychiatry and psychology just recently considered it. Uh, there's a uh, and and it has uh, has not really been integrated into clinical psychology, uh, which is um, uh, really surprising. Uh, so uh, Steve and I have been working pretty hard to to make it um, palatable to to clinic clinicians. The um, network science is is has been embraced by um, by uh, predicting financial markets uh, by um, by predicting climate change, um, uh, geneticists are using that to understand how genes interact and and uh, uh, inhibit each other and uh, to express certain uh, uh, proteins. Um, it is uh, the the World Wide Web is an example of a complex network. So complex networks are are um, are sort of all around us and in. F- absolutely a human being forms a complex network in and of itself that we have not, uh, the, these, these resources we have not touched on. Uh, we, we think very linearly, um, very, uh, simplistically about disorders and diseases, but in fact diseases and don't really exist as latent diseases. They, they really, they are complicated, uh, a complicated interplay of, of of a number of things that form the problem.
1: I mean, these are kind of like networks and hence why, uh, you know, the functional analysis of uh, is only possible with high density to an individual person based on their context. It, yeah. uh, I mean, the, the, this is really game changing in my eyes in, 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 terms of it, it's asking a very different question. It, it's abandoning labels and kind of saying it's no different to, you know, in the DBT sort of space, when we start looking at functional uh, analysis, like what could they call it a chain analysis for, you know, uh, a, a crisis or, or an incident that occurs. Let's look at it in detail, try and understand it, try and appreciate it, you know, and, 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 you know, hopefully work on selection at that point about what you might do you know, in, in the future. Obviously, give us a bit more variation and then obviously the practice side and, and hence why the clinician becomes involved and says that if you're really in one of those spaces, do all the things that we've asked, then give us a phone call. We will work with, you. we're trying to reinforce basically a brand new model. You know, we, we, we want to build a new model about what to do it's when you exactly have right. you know, emotional um, distress.
0: Exactly right, exactly right.
1: Exactly right. I'm so excited
0: do <laughs> <laughs> <Me too. laughs> I'm excited that you're excited uh, no it's, uh, I, I i tend to agree with you. I think this is really a uh, very different way of 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 uh approaching the problem. See that I think we need it though the we have come to a to a point where we we can't we can't continue what we have been doing, and that uh, clearly the DSM is not going anywhere. There have been early attempts have been made, or recent attempts actually, uh, to dimensionalize it, to to link it more to biology. There's in in the US uh, people have developed a system called Research Domain Criteria. that was uh, uh, sort of trying to, to tie it to to cells, molecules, circuits, but. That really didn't also didn't really work well, but uh, but what uh, what did help was to identify important dimensions that we have since integrated that seem to be relevant for uh, pathology. You know, dimensions such as cognitions and attention and behaviors and 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 uh, social and self-related processes. And uh, so, I, I think there's a change is in the air. Um, there is a very few. Um, we, we have critics, obviously. We have people who disagree with us. Not, not so much. Actually, the, 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 the strongest critics would be the ones who are saying this is nothing new. You, uh, uh, you're not telling me anything that I don't didn't know before. And uh, my answer to that would be: we, we really aren't. This is not a new treatment. Mm. We don't. Mm. We, we're not creating another brand. We're trying to tell you that there is a. Different way of looking at the say of of the problem and using what we have in a very different way that actually will maximize benefits. The goal is to get everybody better, not not only better but actually, you know, reaching their goals, not just reducing a few symptoms that were defined by the DSM. So we are not creating a new brand. PBT is not a new treatment. PBT it, is a different way of looking at it. It's interesting,
1: however, because it, it just shows how humans, you know, operate and work that the moment there's a new idea on the table, we go and we say, I'm going to categorize that. Yeah. I'm going to make that firm and strong and, 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 you know, the flexibility I, I, I'm, I'm unable to hold because I know what I'm doing. If, if that's not you new, then it's rejected. Um, I'm going to keep my network. Know, that's right. In, in in place and and no one's arguing that what someone's doing isn't providing value or support. Um, and we're not going out and saying this is a brand. We're saying this is a an umbrella. Uh, yes. th- this is the process. And I, I mean, like that—that's the idea about process-based right. therapy. You know, right. and and that's that's not a brand against CBT or anything. It's kind of saying maybe we can do process-based yes. uh, uh, as your hat while you do. CBT or process-based as your HAT while you do ACT. Exactly. Um, no no exactly. different to, in some sense, from from Steve's work, you know, the, that uh, relational frame, you know, theory mm-hmm. is, is is the HAT, so to speak. Sure. That looks at the functional analysis and the like exactly. of, of language and, and and so on and so forth. That informs ACT. Yeah. Uh it, this is um you know uh, of a similar nature it's looking at what's the process that all therapists can can utilize can do that, that that's accessible because psychologists struggle with with you know we've got to be taught and learnt and understand and so on and likewise so do our you know fellow human exactly. clients you know we're, yeah. we're trying to let them see what we might be able to see and this is a really uh, uh I was going to say simple um, and maybe I will use simple. It, it, it is simple, it is. Um, but it's, it, it's very sophisticated at the same time, you know, with the, the underpinnings uh, there and obviously yeah. with, with, with density of data um, you know, in and context. We're using
0: evolutionary science to, <coughs> to, to, as a, as a, as a foundation of, of these ideas. Uh, so evolutionary science is really uh, the, the fabric of process-based therapy. It can't be understood without embracing these ideas of evolutionary science. And nothing in science makes sense outside of evolutionary science. Any question that you raise will eventually lead to evolutionary science answer.
1: Gosh, I don't even know where to go next. I'm, I'm, I'm a bit dumbfounded. Uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it, it, it's just, it's very refreshing. It's very refreshing. I can already see how... It's going to inform and obviously I haven't even done any reading. The, 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 this is the, the beginning, but I can already see how I'm going to um, how this is going to inform working with my clients differently, yep. uh, similarly, yep. but, but, but certainly very differently. And it's very, very more nuanced that makes
0: much more That's sense. Right. That's right. Yes, exactly. Yeah,
1: yeah. Where should we go to learn more about this? And, and, and maybe not just for clinicians that are listening, but also for, you know, human beings out there who might be experiencing, you know, their own human challenges, as we all are. Uh, where can we find out more about, um, you know, how, how to apply some of this or just to learn more about it? Where, where, where are some good starting points?
0: Right, right. So we... Steve and I wrote uh, quite a lot uh on this issue already. So um there are we have books, we have articles, we're writing right now a clinician uh guide for to process-based therapy, which is probably the most meaningful for clinicians to use. We have a a a book uh, that is more theoretical in nature called uh, process-based CBT. We start with that, and we wrote since then a number of articles focused on on process-based therapy. Um, we uh, we have what's important is we want to really get it out, and we want to encourage also clinicians to use it and gather data now to to uh, to inform their clinical practice and also share that with uh, each other and with us. Uh, the uh, we have a. Um, Webinar uh, uh, setup, uh, praxis set uh, is putting it together. We have uh, we do regular workshops. I have a process based. Uh, uh, my next workshop is is actually in um, if um, in in June in uh, uh, in uh, uh, in Germany. Uh, that is June sixth to June 9th. Um, so there's still uh, uh, people can can go to. Uh, F- uh Frankfurt Academy of Process Based Therapy. F um it's um uh think so if you Google for process based Frankfurt Academy of Process Based Therapy you should get to it. Let me actually just double check. Uh and um uh but we do also have um um uh, with Praxis set, uh, a number of things set up. Um, so it's kind of difficult to, um, I, I would think, I would assume that Steve also has, uh, has it with, um, uh, through new Harbinger set up.
1: And look, I'll, I'll reach out to, to, to Steve. Yeah. And find out. I'm, I'm sure with a bit of a Google search, we might be able to start there and, yeah. and kind of re- reach out. Is, is there um, any um, place for, how people might be able to come and find out more from you specifically or collaborate uh, absolutely
0: i have my website is bostonanxiety.org uh, 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 boston anxiety one word boston anxiety as the city of boston bostonanxiety.org uh, i have um, there's my website and and uh, please uh, uh, I'm more than happy to to answer emails and to um, uh, to uh, communicate with individuals, like-minded folks. And the, the website, by the way, I did find it, is frapbt.eu is the website for our uh, Frankfurt Academy of Process-Based Therapies, which will, the next one is going to be in June. Now, I'm
1: always going to uh, put, put guests on the spot that uh, I want to come sort of a little bit further south. Any, any time you and Steve might be coming down to, to Australia at some, some point?
0: uh i'm yeah i'm I, I i think i'm going to be actually in australia i travel quite a bit i seem to remember there was some australian trip um for uh, a
1: workshop or a conference or something
0: it oh yeah it is uh well it's a, it's interesting now listen to that NATO is organizing something with australia and they want me to present on process based therapy because it's um a, a, a med and something on precision medicine so i'm going to be there in june 24th 25th 26th in um i think it's sydney
1: great cuz that's near that's near canberra i might have to do a trip up and and say hello <laughs> okay any time any time <laughs> fantastic well this this seems to me you know, i mean from from the very very start of of, of starting you know my my studies at university I, i've i've spoken about this thousands of times with my colleagues about you know there's this evidence base of you know whether it be CBC or you know schema what, whatever the 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 brand is yeah. I also always thought about, but what's the difference between one clinician and another? Cause there's clearly huge variation. You know, you, you can have two CBT therapists, two ACT therapists, two any therapists, and they can have vastly different results with their clients. You know, what is it that, that what's that element, you know? And, and we, 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 we often go out and talk about the therapeutic alliance that's been written about so much. Um, and look, I have to agree. I, I mean, clearly, that is a, a, a massive element in terms no of cool. building trust. How else can you sit with another of human course. being in, yeah, the, in that space? No you know, yeah, yeah. And in, in some sense, it's also going out and saying uh, another important element that's probably just as powerful as Therapeutic Alliance is confidentiality. Of course. When we think about it, I mean that, yeah. that that's a yeah part of it. Exactly. But the yeah. process stuff in terms of what makes that clinician over there, you know, just mind-bogglingly brilliant in how they do it. It's this capacity to be able to see mm-hmm. deeper yeah. need or uh, yeah. uh, deeper rigidity in variation or you know selection that's right. uh, challenge with with, with retention. Exactly. And, and to be able and, to then see it among these other spaces is incredible.
0: And to elaborate on your last point, not, it's also remarkable that the really good experienced therapists, they tend to, you can't really tell what their orientation is because they are so, sure. right? They're not married to any particular brand. They, uh, even, though even if they are uh, uh, some of the leading, leading foremost experts in that, I've done plenty of workshops with with Steve, and uh, we sometimes would do it that uh, we actually have a real some real place uh, where we have actually one of our uh, participants would would actually then share their problems and we would switch so I would be a therapist uh, for a while and then Steve is outside the door uh, and not listening and hearing what I'm doing, and then we' return and then he does the same thing and I'm outside and uh, attendees typically say i yeah uh, you know, I do it from the CBT perspective. He does it from the ACT perspective. But we are, I guess we've done it I, I'm more active than 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 probably most CBT folks in are and Steve is much more CBT-ish than most of his ACT uh, uh fellows are. So we kind of converge without without really I, I, I'm not act. I don't I don't do act. I've never done an ACT workshop. I'm I'm not act. Uh, and Steve is as far removed from CBT as anybody, but yet we do very similar things with our clients.
1: And that's what's interesting. Whenever I look at the greats doing their, their work, it's fluid. And yeah, there is no way in the world, unless unless, uh, unless there's a caption there of who it is, you wouldn't know who it is and you, you wouldn't be able to say, oh, you know, they're doing CBT or yeah. you know, any of the models. You would just say they're doing therapy.
0: They're doing good therapy,
1: that's right. right. And, and, and it's fluid and you can yeah. see an incredible... And so incredible we're doing
0: that. We're going, we're going basically, we're looking closely at clinicians, at good clinicians, what do they do? And that's what they do. And we just systematize that. And we, we capture it in a, in a bigger, grander model.
1: Stefan, thank you so much for your time and, and for enlightening us with this new... Space to consider, I think, for all of us as humans, and not just clinicians, something I'm going to do a lot more research on now. And I'm actually really, really pleased I came in with no knowledge, uh, because I think it, it, it certainly made it for me, at least, solidify some of these concepts better than if I knew a little bit. I think I would have maybe um, got it, got unstuck. But uh, appreciate it, and look forward to seeing you when you come down to, to Sydney later on in the year.
0: Right. Nesh, it was a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you very much for having me. Take care. Bye-bye.
1: If you enjoyed this podcast, please support it by going to iTunes and putting a review, subscribe, share it via social media, and tell others about it. Start a conversation. It's listeners like you that make this able and possible and why we bring in these guests to go out and share their knowledge and resources. And just lastly, if you are a psychologist and you want to go out and be part of a bigger team, develop your experience and get into some exciting work, come to strategicpsychology.com.au forward slash careers and reach out. I'd love to hear from you.